Welcome to TP Talks, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Podcast Series. On today's episode, we will be discussing the intersection of transfer pricing and state aid. My name is Ben Brewer, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Isabel Verlinden, a partner in PwC Belgium and PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Leader, Luke Depriter, a partner in PwC Luxembourg and the PwC Luxembourg Transfer Pricing Country Leader, Peter Dere, a tax director in PwC Belgium and a member of PwC's State Aid Working Group, and Stéphane de Betz, Senior Counsel for Transfer Pricing for the PwC Belgium firm. Isabel, why don't you start off our discussion? Thank you very much, Ben. Uh, hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast. Let's start a bit about illegal state aid. Uh, and I would like to make already this comment. Why should we talk about transfer pricing and state aid today? Well, we're talking about illegal state aid because just for the sake of clarity, there are various forms of aid that the European Commission grants to countries that is perfectly legal and authorized and helps them developing themselves and helps the European region to remain or become an even stronger economic bloc than it is today. But now we're talking about illegal state aid, as I'm saying. So the European Commission seems to believe that member states are giving so-called sweetheart deals to taxpayers. So in other words, to lure taxpayers to invest in their country and this is felt to be disruptive and illegal because it uh, hampers free trade and it gives an unlawful benefit for investors to um, invest in one country to the detriment of another. So that's the reason why it has come on the radar screen of the competition unit within the European Commission. So we're talking about a topic that is not part of the agenda of the state aid division within the European Commission, sorry, the tax division, but the state aid, the competition law division. So state aid investigations, they seem to have a pretty disruptive impact on the international tax world these days. First of all, and that's probably the reason why I'm sitting here as a transfer pricing practitioner, the arm's length principle. The OECD arm's length principle does no longer seem to be sufficient. There is a sign or there seems to be reasons to believe we feel that the European Commission is adopting a different arm's length principle to judge these state aid cases. Secondly, what about exemptions of profit allocated to branches? The allocation of income of a branch seems to be challenged now as well. How about the principles of tax treaties? What about the allocation of profit to permanent establishments under the so-called authorized OECD approach as developed by the OECD and bought into by various countries? Thirdly, there is a 10-year clawback period possible, which is far beyond the statutes of limitations that we see in most countries. So even if tax law in an EU country does not allow it, what about legal certainty if the European Commission forces countries to claim back so-called illegal state aid for a period of 10 years? So these are just a few examples of the questions that tax practitioners ask themselves nowadays. So there is quite some level of uncertainty about how long this will last and how these issues will be solved, if at all. So. Transfer pricing is at the forefront of this discussion because very often 
the European Commission in its verdict goes straight at the heart of the discussion, and that is that the so-called sweetheart deals are about non-arm's length dealing, arrangements, rulings, advanced pricing agreements, opinions, or whatever you call them, that are not in line with an outcome that one would come up with under the application of mainstream transfer pricing principles under the arm's length principle. So a lot to say about that, and therefore I would like to hand over to my colleague Luc de Preter in Luxembourg. Luc, the floor is yours. Thank you, Isabel. In uh, the explanations that you have been given leading into transfer pricing, which is the topic of the podcast today in connection with state aid, and in a nutshell, like you already said, transfer pricing looks at the question, is the system-wide profit correctly allocated between contracting parties? And it's only relevant if they are in different countries. So you think that state aid is then focusing to be a very technical debate on the application of the e-law and tax and transfer pricing law, but there's only one side of the coin. What we see is that there's a very strong political angle. Take, for example, the impact of the U.S. in the debate. And even recently, yesterday, the U.S. Treasury um, issued uh, some views on it. And they said, well, it's very clear. They agree that tax avoidance is a serious problem around the world, and they are committed to work to combat that problem. But they believe that it threatens the America's corporate tax base when the EU Commission is looking at, for example, the Apple case. The state aid theory is contrary to well-established legal principles. So politicians will have a strong focus on this topic as well. Then when you see furthermore, there is this populistic angle. I mean, the recent investigations were prompted by media attention to the tax model and the level of tax paid by multinational companies. Do multinational companies pay a fair share of tax? Well, is it legal? Most of the structures are legal, and there is a nuance in the question how much profit is in one country or the other, but the focus is in the total tax paid. And the corporate image will, of course, have an influence. How do the people that know the big names react when they read in the newspaper that something appears to be potentially wrong? Although the companies may not have done something wrong, it could probably be the country when they look at tax returns and transfer pricing laws that in the eyes of the EU Commission they should have made a different judgment. But you, you see that the media discussion is focusing on this corporate citizenship, the behavior to tax, so it moves away from technical elements to emotional elements. And that is very difficult, of course, to manage. Most people who are speaking to me about state aid tell me, whoa, you are a transfer pricing expert. Are you not ashamed of yourself helping companies to reduce the tax burden? So it moves from a technical to an emotional level. And uh, in that connection, I think it would be good if my colleagues, uh, Peter and Stefan, would guide you through some views of the European Commission to transfer pricing. Thank you, Luke. Indeed, I think it's a good moment now to quickly look at the very fundamentals of what illegal state aid is about. Because we must not forget that the state aid rules are part of the European Union Treaty, part of the competition rules in there. Actually, rules which aim at protecting the internal market, and in the case of state aid rules, aim to protect the internal market against member states and interventions of member states in that internal market by giving benefits to companies 
in a selective manner. And that is, in fact, the definition of state aid. State aid is about selective benefits to undertakings which are funded by government funds and which threaten to distort the competition in the internal market. And these rules, as a principle, have nothing to do with tax rules as such. However, already since the early 70s, the case law and the Commission have also applied these rules to tax rules. If a tax rule gives a benefit to a company in, in a way like in a reduced tax base, and this benefit is not given to every company in the country, well, that is potentially a basis to come to a uh, state aid conclusion. The focus on transfer pricing is much more recent, and the focus on transfer pricing actually started with a general investigation by the European Commission into tax rulings in Europe. In December 14, the Commission has asked all member states to list all the tax rulings that were granted over three years in their respective countries. The Commission has assessed this list and along with that initiated a number of new investigations into tax ruling. And the first cases that were now initiated all had to do with transfer pricing. We have seen decisions in Starbucks, in Fiat, we have seen decisions now more recently in Apple and also in the Belgian excess profit case. These are all cases which have to do with transfer pricing and how transfer pricing can result in state aid. We are furthermore expecting the decision in Amazon, McDonald's, and a number of other cases. So the story is not done yet. Now what is quite new here is that the Commission refers to a European arm's length principle. And they refer to this principle as something being very distinct from the OECD arm's length principle. And they base this principle on the equality principle in Europe. Basically, the Commission in its assessment assesses whether a standalone company in a member state is treated in a similar way like a multinational company in that member state. And of course, we know that only multinational companies are confronted with transfer pricing, and that is not something a standalone company is confronted with. But the test that the Commission is applying is whether this multinational company has a market-based outcome when it applies its transfer pricing rules. And even if you would follow the OECD guidelines in a very strict way, it does not necessarily mean that under the European arm's length principle, you cannot have state aid. And this is actually a very interesting position. The question also whether this is a novel approach or not. We know already for more than 10 years that if a member state misapplies OECD guidelines, and only misapplies these guidelines for a selective group of companies that this could be stated. But the very novel thing in my view is that also in situations where member states very strictly adhere to the OECD guidelines, it seems like stated is not excluded. Perhaps if um, as a transfer pricing specialist, if you look at this European Union arm's length principle, what do you think about it? Yes, thanks, Peter. Well, it's kind of very strange approach, and it would seem to me that, just, just to start off, that the European Commission is trying to take over the tax function of the tax administration by saying, well, tax administration, you have not done a good transfer pricing job. Because what they do do is, in the, some of the cases, for example, in the Apple case, where they claim, the European Commission, that is, that there are important facts and circumstances that were misinterpreted by the tax administration. They have criticism towards the transfer pricing analysis itself, for example, in the selection of the method that has been used. For example, the use of the transactional net margin method, which is not liked uh, by the European Commission, or even inventing 
uh, I would say, new approaches in trying to, to cover certain certain issues that may pop up. They also say that tax authorities were not rigorous enough and that arrangements may have been abnormal for an industry. Now, who is the European Commission to say that what is abnormal or normal for a certain industry? It is well, what, what strikes me as well, and it is, it is very peculiar, that is in the state aid decisions, that is that they actually refer a lot of times to the OECD transfer pricing guidelines. But what they do do is a very strict and one-sided approach of the transfer pricing guidelines. That is that the transfer pricing guidelines leave, a lot, of course, a lot of leeway in interpretation and that flexibility is actually needed for the enterprises in order to set their, their businesses. But the European Commission is only taking one stride and according to them that is the only path to go, that is the only right way in interpreting the transfer pricing guidelines of the OECD. Further they say it is non-binding guidance, only an expert op opinion, that's absolutely correct, it is soft law, whereas of course the European, the European treaty is of course hard law, but of course what do you need to do when there's no actual guidance on the EU state aid arm's length principle? Well, then you refer back to the OECD transfer pricing guidelines. What is strange, and that is very peculiar to a transfer pricing specialist, that is that they actually compare stand standalone enterprises to multinational enterprises. And really meaning standalone enterprises can be enterprises that do not have well, at least transactions over the border. So no cross-border transactions, not really in a complex situation as are multinational enterprises. So that difference, and I know if you compare two different situations or to have the same treatment to two different situations, well, you're not doing the right thing. That is as far as I know. It would seem that the, uh, that the European Union would like to say that as long as you follow very rigorously the OECD transfer pricing guidelines, which is only an expert opinion, but if you do seem to follow them very rigorously, you're good to go as long as you have a market-based outcome. Now, a market-based outcome, that is, of course, linked back to the, to the tax regime of a certain country. And again, that can be, be linked back again to what standalone enterprises do, what can't they do, what can they do, what can multinational enterprises do, what can they do, what can't they do. So there is quite a, little, quite a bit of uncertainty on how to interpret, actually, EU stated arm's length principle. There tend to be differences between the OECD arm's length principle. Okay, thanks, Stefan. I think now it will be very interesting to have some time on the question, well, what does this mean? Is this something which will stay? Is this a start of a new new principle that will be there forever? Or what, will, what, what should we do with it? Thanks, Peter. I think it will not go away immediately. Although I should say, let's think positively, this is a topic where you see that the political flavor is glimmering through. And you might hope that these things might go away. Well, reality shows that there are a few signs that are somewhat red flags and that make us think differently. First of all, a permanent task force has been put in place dealing with these matters within the uh, competition unit. And secondly, what we all see is also continued media attention. You see that there is some sort of deliberate name-dropping recurring name dropping uh, in the press, meaning that the Commission has voiced some suspicions vis-à-vis -vis certain companies, so there is probably more to come. Let's also not forget that the European Commission has requested advanced pricing agreements and rulings from various member countries, 
And even though Mrs. Vestager has said at various public fora that it seems as most of them are okay, that there might be some of them that are felt less okay. So more to come on that front. We should also factor in that appeals have been filed by governments and by companies already. And the appeal phase, so before the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg will render its opinion, might take some time. So overall, we don't expect this to end over the next couple of years. So this is an ongoing thing. And so therefore, I believe, look, we should think about suggestions, recommendations on how to act on it. Definitely, uh, Isabel. I mean, after all the explanations, um, our clients will probably need to know, well, what do we do? Are we going back to George Orwell? All animals are equal. I mean, yes, uh, we know that uh, the OECD likes that, but I wouldn't want to treat my dachshund the same way as I need to treat a lion. So all animals are equal. I don't think that works. So you would need to do a few things in my view. One would be to map your tax model and make sure how the ongoing developments impact your current tax model. And state aid is only one of the developments. And we also have the multilateral instruments for dispute resolution. We have the anti-tax avoidance directive. We have the base erosion and profit shifting initiatives. So it's all about taking a step back and look at the overall picture and the distribution of your profits over the value chain. And the fact that you have a tax efficient tax structure is not automatically resulting in a state aid exposure. What is also important is to apply, as a second step, a risk management model to determine where do you have areas of your tax model that would probably need revision and updating. Things that were perfectly okay five years ago may today be in a different spotlight. Very important, look at the rulings you have. As mentioned by my colleagues, uh, rulings are investigated. And if your ruling is in place for a long time without any updating, maybe it should be updated because your company will not be the same anymore. And some countries like Ireland and Luxembourg, they are cancelling rulings for that same purpose. And also prepare an impact analysis and determine whether you benefit in one or more country from things that generally not available to all, either through ruling or to maybe incorrect applications of tax and TP law and regulations. So just make sure you understand the impact. But in the end, you would need to ask the question, is my tax model in line with how the industry works? Can I explain in simple language why my overall result of the tax model makes sense? And structures which lack commercial rationale they will most likely be challenged. And that's a lot of things to be done. But in essence, business economics and rationale are to be used to make sure you understand the potential future impact of all the things that are going on. Thank you, Luke, and to the rest of our participants and for those listening to this podcast. For those interested in receiving further information on these topics, please feel free to reach out to any of the speakers. Their email addresses are provided in the description of this podcast episode.